0: There's nothing better than being in community uh, we weren't we weren't made weren 't created to be alone. Now I know there's a difference between an extrovert and absolutely being turned on and fired up by being in community and and an introvert uh, I tend to be extroverted and and my wife tends to be introverted, and sometimes she 'll have to look at me and say, "Tim, you need to calm down. we can't be with people all the time it wears me out." I get that, but I also get the idea that there's a, a unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace that the Apostle Paul talks about that we experience when we gather, when we gather together. And um, I don't know about you, but I need that. I, I don't kind of want that because it feels good. I, I need that because I need the little bit of your light to shine on, on, on my life. And so gathering together, hearing you sing, um, hearing the Word of God together, clapping together as Katrina, Stefan, and the Krillin. The bass player, by the way, Unreal this morning. But, but that idea of being together and being compelled over the last amount of months to kind of stay isolated. I really struggle when the lady at the Stater Brothers on Prospect and uh, Chapman, when through her mask and her acrylic shield, she looks at me like I'm toxic. <gasps> and all I want to do is reach around and give her a big hug and a big kiss and say, we're, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. And I try to honor people by honoring their distance and stuff. And with my eyes and with my demeanor say, we're going to make it. It's going to be, it's going to be okay. And it seems to me and maybe you that this next year is going to be the year that we make it through. And my sense would be even through the first part of the year, we're going to mellow out and things will get a little bit more back to normal than than they are today. The scripture reading that I chose to preach on this morning was from Isaiah chapter 9. And I love that reading um, from Isaiah chapter 9 because I'm looking forward to breaking through this year. I'm looking forward to, people have asked me, you know, Pastor Tim, when are we going to get back to normal? And, and everybody's normal is relative to them. When are we going to get back to 8, 9, 30, and 11 o'clock services? The answer is, I don't know. But that's normal. When we get, get back to normal school, well, who, what's normal? How do you even know what normal is anymore? And so I, I, I like that idea, that thought of breaking through and thinking about what life is going to look like on, on the other side. And so we think, and I think, and, and many people say, this is the year that we'll kind of get to the end of the whole COVID thing. And along with that, we'll, look like, we'll see what it looks like to establish a new normal. Even in our own family, we've let some of the traditions go and wane, and, and we've picked up some other stuff. One of the things that's been fun as our family is we picked up an all-cousin and then Uncle Andy and Uncle Tim chat. And after my chat today with that thread, I always go home and say, okay, cousin, nephew, check-in, who went to church today? And it's very, very quiet. But it's a little bit of a new normal on that. And I'm sure that in your work and in your lives, in your family, in the the ebbs and flows of your life, you found a new sense of normal and are almost looking forward to seeing what things look like as we go into the new year. And one thing I'm keenly aware of is that Jesus hasn't ceded or abdicated His throne the talking heads on the television, the voices of the podcast, the the people who speak into our culture, they are not sitting on the throne of heaven. Jesus did not get all uptight two Februarys and go and go, oh my gosh, I know that I healed lepers and sick people and fed 5,000 people, but this whole COVID-19 thing has me a little freaked out. That's not our Lord. There's no point in which the Lord has seated the throne and given his power and authority to anybody else except to his church to bear witness to his light, his name in the world. And there's some times where I need to almost audibly tell myself, okay, Tim, relax, relax. The Lord Jesus is still on his throne and the light of Christ is still shining through. And then comes that marvelous word, perseverance. The best word in the whole world, right up there with resiliency, is perseverance. Quitters quit, and quitters find a way to quit. One of my friends is a dear Detroit Lions fan, and and, and I always tell him, I said, good teams find a way to win, and bad teams find a way to lose. And as the Packers play the Lions at this very moment, I'm sure the Packers are finding a way to win, and the Lions are finding a way to lose. But in a broader picture of that and something that matters infinitely more than football is that the people of God, who Paul refers to in Romans chapter 8 as more than conquerors, we find ways to win in the light of Christ. And that's called perseverance. And part of persevering is gathering together in worship and recounting the words and promise of God and letting His light shine in our hearts as he breaks through with love and kindness to his people rather than with judgment and a stick upside, upside the head. So that word from Isaiah becomes a powerful word. I love this. It's one of my favorite Old Testament scriptures and speaks to darkness and light and uh, of, of, of a nation that was struggling. And these are the words of Isaiah the prophet. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunderer. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel. For the fire. Now you get through verse 2, which is really nice, and you get into verse 3, which again is really nice, but starts to talk about warriors rejoicing when dividing the plunder. And then verses 4 and 5, it gets a little militaristic, but it's not about being defeated. It's about God being faithful to his people and all the instruments of warfare, the instruments of darkness being done away with by the power of the Messiah who's coming to bring light to all humanity. The promise of Jesus is in this verse. And I'll get to that in a little bit. But Isaiah, speaking to his people, was speaking at a pretty dark time. He was speaking at a time where the people were afraid of foreign foreign occupation. Israel in the time of David had been a a very strong, very militaristic community. It had been economically vibrant, vibrant. And all of the people of of Israel and Judah, of of the Israelite people of God, remembered all the good old days. We remember when David and we were a nation to be reckoned with, and we remember when we had money and power and fame, and and the kings came to our king and made sacrifices. and, And if you remember your geography, you'll know that Israel is in the middle of everything. To the south, you have Egypt and Africa. To the east, you have Babylon and Assyria. To the north, you have Midian. And, and when those enemies got a whiff that Israel was weak and vulnerable, they just hammered them. And so they were nervous about foreign occupation, that their autonomy, that their independence as a nation would cease to be. They were fear of being an economic second banana. That's Tim Klinkenberg language. Now, I didn't pull that out of a history book. But King David and King Solomon were two of the richest people in the history of the world. And they built a temple. And they had a beautiful culture going on around that temple. And they were afraid that somehow they would become an economic nothing. And that the wealth and the independence and the pieces of life that made them secure would be be done away with, and those two things led to them to the idea that God had abandoned them. And Isaiah said, wait a minute, wait a minute, it's not like that. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Again, what Stefan said, arise and shine for your light has come. Over and over, Isaiah said, God has not abandoned you. Don't be afraid. Rise up. Put your shoulders back and your chest up. The glory of the Lord will come around you. God is doing a good thing. He's bringing his Messiah to bear. Just be patient and persevere with a resilient faith in the Lord who keeps His promises. And so for me, as I was putting this sermon together, I was thinking how appropriate this kind of is for us sitting here. Because I don't know about you, and I've said this any number of times, over the last year and a half, I felt like I have a miner's helmet on, and I'm in the bottom of a coal mine, kind of trying to figure out where where to go. And this little beam of light just kind of shines in the darkness and I hope that it hits something good and we make a good decision or whatever but but it's been hard in terms of finding that light making the decision that affects people positively rather than negatively that builds value into their hearts and souls rather than takes away that provides light for them and guidance for them in their lives rather than more darkness I don't know I don't know everything. I know some things, but I can't see, see the future. I can say what I think I can see, but and not being able to size up that future. Maybe you're with me on that, and you've struggled with that, struggled with that as well. And for me in my life, my margins are thin right now. Someone came up to me, and they said, I don't mean to gripe, but, which I always love, especially between services. Yeah, I don't mean to gripe, but they said, well, you're just kind of smiling at me. Aren't you hearing what I'm saying? I'm saying, I've heard so much griping and so much stuff that it doesn't really affect me the way it did two years ago. And they said, but you hear what I'm saying? I said, absolutely. And what you're saying is important to me as your pastor, but my margins are so thin that if I melt down here on you, I don't know if I'll be able to put my heart back together. And I know that anyone who supervises people Anyone who's responsible for an organization, anyone who's had to make tough calls with about 10% of the data, maybe your margins are starting to run thin. The anger comes a little easier. The tears come a little easier. Instead of being outspoken and vivacious, you've retreated in. And that's a tough place to be. It's one of the reasons why being here is so important. Because worship and the promises of God being recalled for us this morning make the margins a little bigger and allow us an opportunity to dream bigger dreams and think bigger thoughts than just what goes on Monday through Friday from 8 to 4, or what's just going on in our generation now, and to think a little bit more about eternity and the promises and the power of God. With that, there's people who just struggle with anxiety in general. Arise and shine, for your light has come. In our scripture today, Isaiah says over and over again, the light is dawned, the light is coming, the light is here. Arise and shine. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. That marvelous piece of the light of Christ In in Isaiah's time, it was like a a beacon going forward saying, eventually this is going to happen. Eventually this is how it's going to work. Hang on. Hold on. We're in. God hasn't stopped. God has not abandoned you. He's moving towards his goals. He's moving towards the redemption of the world. So hang on. We're going to break through these words from Isaiah. Isaiah. will accomplish this. In John's gospel, there's a story of Jesus healing a man born blind. The scripture tells us the man was blind from birth. And Jesus goes through all of the words and all of the rigmarole and all of the stuff. He he reaches down. He spits in the mud. He puts the little mud cakes on the guy's eye. And when the mud cakes fall off, the man can see. The people who were religious at the time who had a stake in controlling their religious life in Jerusalem got all bent out of shape. And not only were they mad at Jesus for cutting into a piece of their action, they were also angry at this guy because he didn't you know, he, 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 he didn't fall into the politically correct way of, of thinking that day. At the end of that passage, Jesus looks at his disciples and he's explaining what goes on. And he says these words. He says, while I am in this world, I am the light of the world. Jesus Christ, the light of the world, the light that no darkness can overcome. There's no darkness that the light of Christ cannot dispel. There's no dark alley in our lives that illuminated by the light of Christ is going to be defeat, that, that will defeat that light. Rather, the love and the light of Jesus that is our light promised through Isaiah and the prophets, delivered in Mary and Joseph and a baby, worshipped by the wise men, is the light that shines for you and me today. And at the dawn of a new year, as the light rises, as the sun shines, as the days now start to get longer and longer, I'm reminded that Jesus is the light of the world. The light that no darkness will ever over. That promises ours, rich and deep and eternal today. And so we take a step this morning into the light, and we speak a little bit about the purity that the light brings, the purity of the light of Christ that brings forgiveness and peace with God for you and me. How do you know God's not angry? I know that God's not angry because He shined the light of His love on my sins and my dark pieces, and He still is with me. He loves me that much that he would not let anything come in between me and him, you and him. Jesus Christ, the light of the world, the light that no darkness of sin will ever diminish. But he drives that pain, that guilt, that shame. He drives it out and in his light brings purity to you and me. And that light brings perspective. We're moving people and things around in my house, and this morning I was up early, early, and I'm 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 weary of that because I've kind of got figured out what's in my house, how many steps, turn the corner, and you know, there's not stuff in the hallway. I'm not. And this morning I'm like, okay, I can't see. I don't have my glasses. What's gonna happen? Where did Barb leave? Where did I leave? We're taking apart this big bug bed, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, where did I put those metal pieces? Because if I kick or step on one of those, I'm going to be depressed for a month. Okay. Jesus provides light that provides perspective for us in our lives. What do you believe and in whom do you believe? Because if you believe only in yourself, then you can't manufacture your way enough light to light your own path. If you believe in the power of any other entity or thing, it's just not going to work. But with Jesus, when His light shines on our lives, we find a sense of perspective, a sense of understanding, and a way of grace that leads us resiliently and powerfully into the future and jesus light brings vision for us in our lives an opportunity to think through process and procedure and life and the things and the people who we love and hold on to the most jesus life brings hope hope is faith that looks forward It's a sense of vision and visioneering and saying, I think I know where I'm going in my life. And with the light of Christ shining over my shoulder into the future, I can see a little bit more and a little bit more clearly than your basic depressed pagan person. Because I've got a sense of hope that's supernatural and eternal that I have in Jesus. And that light of Christ brings peace. There's been times throughout... The last couple years that I've had to take and reframe things, and I said, "Well, you know, this and this and this and this," and and instead of framing it around pain and fear and brokenness and sickness and those things, I've been able to go back to a reservoir of Bible verses of Scripture and refrain a little bit, uh, reframe a little bit around what really is. And the praise song that we sang before. I am a child of God. I'm going to frame my life around that promise. I might feel tired and worn out, but I am a child of God. And when I reframe those things, when I take it from the the negative side into the positive side, when I take it in from the hopeless side to the hopeful side, Jesus does something in my heart that reminds me that I'm with him and he's with me, and we're going to make it through. I love that idea that the light of Christ that we see, what we see in him, brings a sense of hope, peace, comfort. He, I, love, I love the piece where it says he, he opened the sea and we walked right. I pray that God blesses you with a marvelous sense of His destiny and His hand guiding you as you move into 2022. These the early days, the short days, but the days get longer, the light comes out earlier, and we see more and see more clearly. And I pray that well, God will bless you with that marvelous big frame that reminds you that we are people of the light, that we are people of Jesus, and that we are people of hope please join me in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for sunrises, for the opportunity to know that your promises are new for us every morning. Thank you that we can gather together here and now this morning and that you bless and guide us in every piece of our lives. I pray this morning, especially for those who are struggling with a sense of darkness and and they can't just shake it off, I pray that you would bring a a person to them, whether it's this morning, throughout this week, or whenever, who would be able to reframe for them their lives around your word and promise. I thank you for that guy born blind, and that you looked at him and healed him, and that you said those marvelous words, while I am in this world, I am the light of the world. Shine the light of your love for us. Shine that onto our souls that we would find strength and resiliency in following after you. Bless those who we know and love the most in this world. Grant them a sense of connectedness to you and and families and friends, connectedness to one another, that in the community of your grace in the community of your light, we might find great peace. This we pray and ask in Jesus' name.